Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm the Gnarly Gnome. This is Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. Uh, you guys can't see the chaos that has, um, what is happening. It's pure <laughs> chaos. I, at least I remember to bring microphones and something to, um, something to actually capture noise. Um, but I forgot a memory card, so uh, I hope you guys are hearing this show right now. Fair enough. We'll um, get to it. Rebel Metal. I have not sat down with you guys on the show. I've been here a few times since, but um, since right before you guys opened your doors, uh, you were in the middle of a different type of chaos then. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, Introduce yourselves, tell people who you are and what you do here. Jonas, you're up, man. Uh, Jonas Locke, I'm the director of quality here at Rebel Metal, the organizer of chaos and uh, all around (laughs) awesome dude. And I'm Mike Brown, the president and CEO, but don't tell anybody else that. <laughs> so you guys opened in, what, September? Yep, September um, 12th. And I think we're, what, month seven? Going on month seven? Is that right? Yeah. Wow. Time flies when you're having fun in the middle of a pandemic. Or pulling your hair out, one of the two. <laughs> I, I keep finding myself like thinking about things um, that have happened like in the last couple years, even, and like that the time doesn't make sense at all to me anymore. Like I'll think of someone like, oh yeah, we did that, you know, last spring. Like no, that was like two years ago because last spring didn't exist. Didn't exist. <laughs> That's right. There was no such thing. You got. We have a lot to talk about tonight, but um, the well, we'll we'll get to the big news of the day or the week. Um, let's start with how you guys have managed the last seven ish months. Um, it was a crazy time to open a brewery. Um, still, people would say is a crazy time to open a brewery. Uh, yet you guys managed to make it happen. Um, from everything that I've heard, people have been really happy with what you guys are doing here. They're loving the concept. They're loving the space. Um, how has this been for you guys? So I, I just right out in the open, I'm going to say it right up front. It started with the beer with me, but it's turned into the people, so to speak. Right. Um, I get to meet and we get to meet people from every walk of life in Cincinnati almost daily. And it's incredibly awesome. So that part is my favorite part of this job. And the second part about that is like, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the people coming to visit us. Like, is it perfect? Are we at a hundred percent capacity? No. But I am grateful, and we are grateful for everybody that's walked through the front doors and had a beer with us and said hi. So everybody that I've talked to that has came in here, it is um, that place is amazing. The people are great. The space is incredible. My God, when things are actually happening again, that place is going to be phenomenal. <laughs> right, right. And so I, we're, we're getting our fingers so close. So close. We're right there, right? Let's, let's the drink a beer. Fair enough. Um, I forgot what we were talking about before. We didn't take a break for everybody that's listening. It's chaotic. I, it's a chaotic we show. Take the first sip. I think we were talking about um, what it was like opening during COVID. Right. Right. So very quickly, we'll get to drinking a beer. Now I'm going down another rabbit hole. Very quickly after you guys opened, uh, you decided to start home delivery also, which is a whole other can of worms of trying to make that work and make it a good experience for people. Um, uh, Talk about 
that a little bit of how trying to connect with people in the middle of a pandemic when um, people can't get out and get your beer maybe as easily as you would like them to. Candidly, that was one of my favorite (laughs) jobs. And the reason being is it took me all around Cincinnati, right? So, like, on the Ohio side of the house, because obviously we can't deliver into Kentucky, I was able, like, if somebody ordered something online, I could do the Van Halen ice cream man delivery dude, (laughs) right, and pull up to your front door with beer. So, to me, that was a lot of fun. And uh, and truth be told, um, you know, we were talking about gratefulness earlier. Um, Without us delivering throughout the wintertime, we were struggling. There's no mm. question about it, right? So well, us wintertime to- for anybody that is not in this industry, wintertime is always hard for breweries. It is a it's it's tough. People don't go out of the house. They don't go out drinking as much. Throw a pandemic into that, and throw a new business that is trying to kind of get on their feet and get rolling. I can only imagine it was a little stressful. <laughs> it was a little stressful, but at the same time, we're incredibly grateful. The fact that we one had the infrastructure and the resources to deliver the way we did. And not only that, we had the customer base that was ordering from us. So it wasn't, we're not talking like substantial amounts here. We're not talking thousands and thousands of dollars here. We're talking hundreds of dollars, but at the same time that allowed us to carry on throughout the winter time. And we're incredibly grateful for the people that just clicked the link said, you know what? I'm going to give these guys a shot. I also think that there's a whole other aspect to all of this that we, we won't really I don't know if it is measurable. I don't know if we'll really ever kind of see how much it did this. But, you know, some of my favorite memories throughout the pandemic and throughout the shutdown and all of that stuff was some of those home deliveries from places. When you, you know, you're you're having one of those weeks, you're desperate to sit down in a bar and just talk to somebody, see somebody, kind of have that, that, that little bit of shared connection over a beer and can't. You know, to be able to get on and you order beer from your, you know, your favorite brewery or local brewery or whatever it is and have them pull up and have that little moment where you're connecting with those people that, you know, to me, and I assume to a lot of people that listen to a show like this, um, it's a huge part of our lives. Well, it makes a difference. We're social beings, so to speak, right? And Mm -hmm. if that socialness is kind of taken out of out of the equation, right. we all kind of long for something that's a little bit normal. Taken taken out of it, and then even now, like, it's, it's different, and it's weird, and it's not it's not the same. You know, you go out places, and everybody's wearing masks, and you're, you know, you're used to seeing people just by their eyes now, and you can't see that. It's just, the whole thing is just so strange. It, we've definitely that, been That stresses taken, me out even more we've now. We've definitely <laughs> been taken out of our comfort zone in the past 18 months. There's no question oh, yeah. about it. Um... I was talking to Craig McGee from Channel 9 today, mm-hmm. and one of the inspiring things that he said to me was to see how people have adapted and overcome, right? Yeah. We both come from a military background, and that's kind of like the motto on the back end is we adapt and overcome. And, uh, you know, that's kind of what we had to do throughout this entire process is not only are we a brand new business, we're a brand new business that opened during the pandemic. We had to find ways of 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 moving our product, so to speak. Um, and some of that is being as loud, as proud as possible, so to speak. And like sure. just yelling, so to speak, like, Hey, buy our beer. The other half of it is the word of mouth that we got by 
developing a good product and, and delivering a good product. And the gentlemen to my right are solely responsible for that. These two gentlemen are a dynamic duo. <laughs> well, speaking of your product and moving your product, let's move some into my face. There you go. Um, what should we drink here first? Tell me. I don't know what any of these are. So uh, so uh, go with that first one. That's a uh, beautiful copper color. That is our uh, Colonel Copper. Uh, we call it a Cooper Doppelbach for its color. And uh, Mike has a sweet story about how the name kind of came to be. Ooh, that's good. So the Colonel, Colonel Brian Copper... Was so b- before my- you, before you get into the story, right. I want to describe this beer really All quick. Right. So it's good. a Doppelbach. Yes, um, I assume this is a little higher in ABV than than it looks like it might be. Doppelbachs a it's lot like of five. A lot of times you get these Doppelbachs and they are super super dark, and you you're expecting that 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 punch to them. This is deceptive when you look at it. It's beautiful. It looks like it should be in like a champagne flute or something, and it's a it's a it's definitely a Doppelbach. <laughs> This is great. It'll do the trick too. Yeah, this is this is great. So, uh, not to interrupt. Uh, no, no, you're <laughs> fine. No, I'm I'm glad you did that. So, uh, the Colonel, Colonel Brian Copper was not only a friend; he was a mentor. Uh, prior enlisted man that I served with in the Air Force, um, he meant a significant amount to me. Um, as a young airman, he pulled me aside and was like, "Yo, dude." The only thing that's holding you back is yourself. What do you want to achieve? And, you know, that mentality that he kind of distilled or instilled in me, um, I carried with me through the rest of my life. And unfortunately, this past uh, summer uh, in in 2020, he passed away. Um, and I couldn't think of a better way to commemorate his memory than naming a beer for him, so to speak. So I, I reached out to his wife, uh, Tammy and I was like, "Hey, can I name a beer after Brian?" And she was like, "Are you kidding me? Absolutely!" <laughs> you know, like, yes, absolutely. So, um, Colonel, this beer's for you, sir. You know, there's. I don't know how much people really. I mean, there are other places in town that celebrate this very loudly. I think, but everything's got some kind of a story behind it you know we sometimes we we miss out when we just walk into a bar and we sit down and we just grab a beer and dump it down our throat and then you know go home and jump back into our normal life you know everything from you know where the idea for a beer comes from where the recipe comes from to the names of them to you know it's it it's all coming from somewhere to the people that that created these things and um, I hope people appreciate that as much as uh, I feel like they should. (laughs) So sometimes it's silly and fun. You know? Sure. sure. Stupid Tiger was silly and fun. It's usually silly. It's usually usually silly and fun, but every now and then there's one or two that touches your heart, and and this is one of them. But even silly and fun things are still part of the story. It's just sometimes the the, the goofy side of things that's going on, but it's still, you know... still holds as much to me importance to kind of the the bigger story of what a place is and um yeah this this is a good example of it and it's a damn good beer fair enough i really enjoy it thank you 
we'll go ahead and we'll dive into um, kind of why I'm here today. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm here because I needed to sit down and talk to you guys, but you guys have been busy today, specifically. You've <laughs> been very busy. Yeah. Um, you guys are canning beer. We are canning beer. I'm sure that, again, the people that are listening to the show are paying attention on social media. You probably saw people talking about it this weekend. Uh it was in the plans the whole time. We probably even talked about it a little bit that it would be coming eventually on our last show. Um, if anybody wants to listen to that last show, uh, Volume 6, Episode 25. If I remember, I'll put a link in the show notes, but I probably won't remember. So <laughs> go back and listen to that one, too, because it tells the story of how this place kind of started. But um, cans were always, always in the in plan. The picture. I mean... So you guys are a, a lager-focused brewery, very heavily lager-focused. There is something about a lager in a can that just makes sense. Maybe it's a nostalgia thing. Maybe it's a, you know the, the portability of just getting a good drinkable beer wherever you are. I don't know what it is, but it just makes more sense to me than, than a lot of other beers do. So... Of course, you guys are canning beer. <laughs> uh, talk about uh, why now, if it was easier to make the decision to do it now to help get that beer out to more people, or if it's harder because you want people in the tap. <laughs> so, yes and yes. Um, to us, the decision was kind of easy because it was always in the works, so to speak. Um, Andrew, you've known me now for, or Mr. Gnome, excuse me, you've known me Sorry. now for about seven, eight months now, and I, I guess you could probably tell that I, I'm a little, you know, competitive, so to speak. <laughs> so, you know, having cans out to market was something that we always had our, our eye on, and uh, with the help of the team, you know, it was, the, de- the decision was easy to make. It was, we need to do this. It's not a want, it's a need. And, uh, um, I'm glad we did it. Um, we did it accelerated. We've been in business now since September 12th. I've, we're seven months into business, and we now have three loggers in cans ready to rock and roll. And uh, that, to me, is a special thing. So you guys have Steuben Tiger, which is the, the light logger. Um uh, one of my favorites, which is if you had told me that a light lager would have been one of my favorite beers, uh, you know, 10 years ago, I would have told you you're crazy. Um, but it's fantastic. It's drinkable, but still tastes like real beer. So a fantastic choice. Um, you've got the Metal Mayhem. Uh, and that's the IPL, right? Yep. Yep. Um, so every brewery has to have an IPA. You guys have an IPL. We have an IPL. <laughs> Just, a, you know, a little differentiation. Um, and then the volume, which is the Juniper Schwartz beer, which um, I think when people talk about this place, that is definitely one they always talk about. Again, it takes super traditional style, kind of gives that style a little bit of uh, um, kind of a modern twist and some kind of... Craft beer spin to it with the addition of juniper berries. Um, there's a lot of Germans that would yell and tagging <laughs> three three percent ABV on it. Right. Yeah. So you're gonna see that when you see a pour, you're gonna think of Guinness immediately because it's super dark. But right up front, you're gonna get a slight coffee note and a smooth malty finish. And I tell you what, um, it's slowly but surely becoming one of my favorite beers. It's a fantastic beer. It. it Catches up with you real quick, though. Uh, agreed. <laughs> agreed. It drinks. It drinks really easy, and uh, man, it's it's a fun beer. So, 
three absolutely brilliant choices to uh, start things off as far as canon goes. Where does it go? How do you guys plan on kicking more cans out as time goes on? Or is this more like a, you know, our, our core beers are what we want out there. If you want something else, come into our tapper. <laughs> our distribution plan right now is we're very fortunate to have like a group of professional folks that are really interested in getting our beers out into the public, so to speak. So we've got teams working at like Jungle Gyms. We got teams working at Kroger. We got teams working at UDFs to try to get our beers in those in those doors. We got teams that are working on getting it into drive-throughs. We got teams that are working in gas stations. So we have empowered our sales staff to go make it happen, so to speak, right? And obviously they're getting incentives for doing right. such, but at the same time, they're empowered to do it. And uh, it's it's really kind of fun to see this process happening. Like, I, like, I don't know about you guys, but like, I take my family out to eat, right? And you see a Rebel Metal <laughs> tap handle. I can tell you that I don't do that. My kids are little, tiny, horrible people right now. <laughs> So I've got three daughters, and they're all a little bit older. So like we go out to eat, and we see a Rebel Metal tap handle that I didn't even know about, really. You know, and I see it, and I'm like, oh, I gotta thank Matt for that, or I gotta thank Casey for that, or I gotta thank Pat for that, or I gotta thank uh, Josh for that. So like, or Dwan. So like, we have a core group of professionals that are really like chomping at the bit to get this product out there, which is fun and exciting. The other thing is. Cincinnati in general really doesn't know who we are yet. So maybe they see our cans on the shelf and go, you know what, I'm going to give that a shot. And then all of a sudden they're like, holy crap, this stuff is fantastic. And we got a, like a rebel metal like rocker right there ready to right. rock and roll forever. So we're pretty excited about being able to distribute um, the way that we are in the cans. Obviously, we've been distributing in the, into kegs. We're a fl- roughly like, what, 80 commercial accounts across the Cincinnati-Dayton area, somewhere in that ballpark, which is great. But at the same time, being able to push this out for everyone to see with that marketing on it, yeah, absolutely. The, we're pretty excited about the it. The labels are absolutely gorgeous. Thank you very much. Um, I love the, uh, was it die cut, whatever, the, the you know, the... It's not just a big square label slapped on the can. Um, I love that the can shows through and kind of becomes part of the look to it. It's a great kind of 50s rocker kind of look. I, they're, they're great. It's kind of exactly they, what we were going they for. They fit exactly like who you guys are. Absolutely. Um, I, the only criticism I have. What do we got? And I don't think it's possible to do this with the cans is that it doesn't scream loud enough that you guys are this lager brewery that um, Fair enough. Metal Mayhem I think in the description probably says something pretty good about it but if I remember right but um, you know that to me that is such a huge part of your personality especially in a city like Cincinnati where you know we as craft beer drinkers have been yelling at our breweries to make us more lagers. Sure. And they just keep telling, oh, we try and you're not buying it. Or, you know, we try, but it doesn't, it takes too long and we can't, you drink it too much IPA. Whatever their answers are, they're just, you know, nobody has really fulfilled that, that need that we have. We'll get there one so, piece at a time. <laughs> I think you guys are definitely on track to do that in a very one piece beautiful at a time, way. Just like Johnny Cash said. <laughs> We can shift gears a little. Actually, let's let's drink another beer before Fair we shift enough. gears. I have uh, some hard-hitting questions coming. Um, what's next? 
Uh, that is a, a Bach-flavored beverage product, right. a pineapple marshmallow milkshake Rauch Bach. All right, so kind of similar on the way that there are uh, <laughs> Germans probably yelling about the volume. It's fine. Uh, there are a lot of people that are yelling about this one. <laughs> I haven't tried it yet. Um, it's... From what I saw in Untapped, people are liking it. So, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, how did this idea happen? And um, <laughs> uh, Josh and I were riffing in the brewery. I think we were filtering our other uh, Rauk beer, and uh, we just started getting. We we tend to make fun of uh, some of the trends in hypey beers um, that are out there. We just started thinking about, like, ridiculous things we could make uh, and put in a beer um, for the hype. And uh, we, like, just started, like, thinking about, like, hey, what would go, what what atrocious things could we do to a Rauk beer? Because we, we wanted to stay on brand with the lager. Right. So we're like, well, we, like, uh, grilled pineapple, delicious. Uh, and we're like, yeah, throw some pineapple in a rock beer. It'd be good. And then, then we're like, yeah, and you know what else is great on a grill? Marshmallows. <laughs> so it was just what is good with throw, smoke? <laughs> throw in some lactose to sweeten it up. And, and we're like, and then we're like, yeah, let's just do it. And, uh, and, then, and like, we came up with, so, so it was supposed to just be a joke. And then, like, Mike, to his credit, is like, heck, yeah, let's do it. Uh, and and thus the star was born. <laughs> this is the uh, this is one of the one of the stupidest beers that I think I've ever read the description for. And, and on that, it's stupid good. <laughs> it is so good. I'm ashamed that I love this beer as much as I do. <laughs> the, when you, again, going back to those stories, when you hear, you know, kind of how it came about, it, it makes perfect sense and it kind of plays with the idea of some of the crap that people are doing. Um, it is fantastic. It is so tasty. <laughs> so I was out today at a burger joint and uh, they have it on tap. And oh my God. I with made a bur- to yeah, yeah, with it, a, was a, it was a great afternoon. Yeah. They're, they're, you know, with a burger, if I'm sitting around a, a fire pit, you know, in the evening when it's not snowing outside in the middle of the spring. Um, right. Yeah. My God, like this beer is fantastic. Um, again, really, really well done, guys. Um, I, I hate you for it, but it's really good. <laughs> yeah, we hate ourselves we hate for ourselves. it, too. <laughs> um, Waking up at 3 a.m. going, why did I do that? <laughs> well, I mean, there are there have been people that have tried to kind of play around with, oh, this is trendy, I'm going to... and They just don't execute it. They don't take it seriously and make a crappy beer, be, and it's okay because they're making fun of the crappy beer. Um, this is... this takes some of those trendy things and takes it seriously still to create a good beer with it. Um, I like it. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. Rebel metal action there, right there. We're not being recorded. <laughs> I don't actually know if we are. Or not. That's, that's the good thing. Is the red button like, on? The is it no, no, you didn't hear the whole story. We, no, there is no red button. There's no memory card. Perfect. We are. Yeah, it's. So this is so, a pretend podcast. It might be. Okay. <laughs> there have been um, in the history of Cincy Brewcast, I think 
four episodes that got recorded or done that never saw the light of day for various reasons. I think one of them was a memory card that got corrupted. And then there was one, um, shout out to BCs for taking part in the one show that I recorded the, we, we did the entire show and I didn't hit the red button. BC's bottle watch? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, you got to go check out the pathological logger. We got it out there right now. At uh, Montgomery or Liberty? Liberty. Liberty. I need to make a stop. <laughs> Sorry, honey, I'm going to be late. Um, like I'm talking like it's live, like she can hear me, <laughs> or like she actually listens to the show when it is up. Um, <laughs> so, going to kind of a little bit different topic. So, we we know that the pandemic is, is has been hard for a lot of places. It's been really hard for some places. One of them being Christian Morline who uh, right fairly soon after you guys opened your doors, they had they closed their production in OTR. Um, right before you guys opened, Rock Bottom over on Fountain Square closed their doors. It's arguable, probably extremely so, that both of those were not necessarily a result of the pandemic or the current state of craft beer. Um more how they got to where they are today. But um, seeing two places in downtown that are breweries shutter their doors, does that give you guys a little bit of a um, pause? Does it make you a little nervous or is it just more Rock drinkers? Bottom, I didn't even count. I'm going to be candid with you. Like even if they were to stay open, I don't even count them as a brewery because they're more is produced off-site. Not all of it. Uh, no, not all of it? Not no. all of it. Well, I never... Well, well, I'm, I'm throwing some bias out here. I was never a fan. <laughs> I'm just going to throw it out there. I was, I was never a fan, um, to be honest with you. And I frequented that place more than once over the years. And never at one point in time was I like, you know what, I'm going to go back. Right. It was more along the lines of uh, circumstance, so to speak. So that's just strictly speaking to rock bottom, so right. to speak. Right. Was just never a huge fan, and candidly, I don't think brewing was their main business model. No. My understanding is the restaurant was their main like focus. I think it depends who you asked there. I think there were some people there that were very passionate. It, it turned out some great people around town that are still working in the industry around town. But um, I agree, kind of, with the uh, bigger concept of what you're saying. I, I just. Uh, I, I, I enjoy the concept of where it was at. I enjoy the restaurant and the camaraderie that they had there, so to speak, because every time that I went there, there's people there. And it was so do you cool. Do you think they failed more as a restaurant that failed, as a bigger business, you know, outside of just Cincinnati that, that, that failed? Or um, what, do you, what do you see their downfall as being? So... Beer-wise, I was never a huge fan. I'm going to throw that out there, and people can attack me for it if they want. I don't really care. But I was, <laughs> I was never a huge fan. Food-wise, I didn't have any complaints. What I will say on the macro level, if you're looking at the 120,000-foot view, is look at craft breweries, right? People are looking at craft breweries as in they're non-corporate entities, 
Then you look at the rock bottoms of the world that seem like they're a very corporate entity, so to speak. And, and don't necessarily hide it either. And is the- chain owned and cookie cutter type situation. And people are, including myself, I'm not interested. I can't tell you the last time I went to a restaurant that was chain owned. Right. Because I have no interest. Um, we've we've talked on this show a lot in the last year about Applebee's is always the one that I go to, and how is Applebee's still around? Right. You know, who goes to Applebee's? Why are people going to Applebee's? Um, kind of the same same idea. It's yeah. as chain as chain can get. <laughs> so I I personally wise like just me speaking had zero interest in going into a cookie cutter establishment that might have had cookie cutter beer and granted. There might have been a couple of brews out of that joint, or which were top notch. I personally didn't have them, and um, I don't feel any shame in saying, you know what, I'm not, I'm not really surprised. Uh, Moreline, on the other hand, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> that's all you, brother. Oh, yeah. I think that we're entering a time when. Uh, like people have choices now and you play in a brewery needs to I mean the fact breweries need to engage with their uh, customers whether that be people walking into your taproom door whether that be uh, retail accounts or bars for draft handles uh, now more than ever and so that takes legwork and a lot of it's 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 not like the boom times are over uh, of the early aughts. And if we're, you're we we I mean, it was this it's not easy money anymore. That's why three points became Braxton. That's why Woodburn sold to uh, March 1st. Um Organizations that figure things out and are willing to put in the work and, frankly, maintain a good reputation are going to do okay, and the ones that don't are going to fail. And that's kind of the natural business cycle. Uh, so you guys don't look at the places that have closed down here as any anything other than just the wrong business at it, the wrong time? It just means... Like we need to be on our game. Agreed. The same as everyone else. We we know who we are, and we're going to make product and deliver experiences to our customers that reflect that. And that's what we need to focus on. How do you stay dialed into your? I'm making air quotes. Your game as the industry keeps changing, as drinkers keep changing. How do you? How do you? How do you stay kind of tuned into that? Because I, I would argue that at one time, Rock Bottom was exactly what people wanted with craft beer. I would argue that Christian Morland was exactly what people wanted with craft beer <laughs> at one time. Um, and they didn't... I'm going to jump They in didn't evolve. They didn't... They, they, they weren't in tune with what people were yelling at them, in my opinion, to, to do. One is staying interacted like people with you, right? You've got your finger on the pulse of what's going on, right? right? So having an interaction with you and following you and seeing you on, inter- on on the interweb, so to speak, whether it be Facebook, Instagram, whatever, right? YouTube, follow. R- right. YouTube.com yeah. slash the gnarly gnome. So... Paying attention to you is one way. The other way is all three of us here 
spend a significant amount of time talking to our customers and, and asking for their, their feedback. And uh, I, I begged to find somebody that's come to this, this brewery and said, hey, I wasn't approached by somebody to say, hey, how was your experience here today? And asking for feedback because the feedback is what's going to get from point A to point B, right? We might be able to come up with a 95, 95% solution, right? But if we get some feedback back, we might be able to come up with a, a 99% solution or a 100% solution. So having the feedback from our direct customers is, is key to that. I can't edit out any background noise, by the way. <laughs> Good. I'm, I'm fixing the labels on the cans that are a little skewed. Uh, and that's just part of... Part of managing quality well, is making sure your labels are straight. Those will be on Instagram, so it's not a bad idea. <laughs> so I was talking about the, but the customer feedback. Feedback, feedback in itself isn't isn't the way to. It's listening to the feedback and being able to pivot, be, work it into who you are, because you can't always just listen to people. You're not going to please everybody. You, I mean, you guys know who you are. And there are going to be people that walk in and tell you that who you are is not what they want in a craft brewery. You've got to find where you listen and where you don't also. So with that aspect, all right, um, we have a very good team dynamic here as far as I'm concerned. And we take criticism on a team level. And we, we, if we receive some criticism... We will push it out in a team environment and say, what do you think, what do you think, what do you think? And between the group, we either decide to act on it or we decide not to act on it. Right. So um, I love the fact that we are a team here. And candidly, these two gentlemen right here, if they say I need to move in one direction, we're going to move in that direction. Um, I trust their judgment. I've empowered them to, to trust their judgment. And unequivocally... I trust their judgment. If they see we need to move in a direction, they tell me to jump and I ask how high. Absolutely. It's a, it's, it's gotta be difficult to, I mean, you, you wrap so much of your identity and your, what you want from a brewery for, for all of you guys, you, you wrap so much of that into this place to have to, kind of shift that and evolve that over time. I mean, that, again, stresses me out. <laughs> Everything stresses me out right now, but, like, I can't, I, I can't, in my head, I would have a really hard time um, creating something, birthing something like this, and knowing that this is something that can succeed, and then having to shift any part of that. Like, I, maybe that's the control freak in me, but, like, I, I just, I would have a hard time with that. To me, um... It's all about blinders, right? You get in a mindset where you're emotionally attached to something and you want it to go the way that you planned in your brain, right? I have tried to train myself over the years that leadership is is not about your emotional response to something. Leadership is more along the lines of trusting the people that you have around you. And that trust is what I have given these gentlemen as well as the rest of my team to guide us and this company in the right direction. So if they give me a suggestion, not only do I think about it, I think about it hard and go, is this the direction that we want to go? And 
nine out of ten times, it's going to be their direction. I really can't tell the last time that I said, no, we're not going to do anything <laughs> about this. You know, it, most of the time, if they give me feedback, it's like, let me think about it for 24 hours and we'll make a decision. And uh, that's what it, like, to me, when I envisioned opening this place up and when I envisioned, like, having Rebel Metal Brewery, like, it I never imagined myself being here all day, every day going, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. Never did I think of that. It was more along lines of, hey, I'm going to trust and empower the people that are here to make solid decisions and I'm going to trust their judgment. And I hope guys that like I've done that is, yeah, I can confirm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So they're not going to say you we are do so in much front of you. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we say worse things behind the back. So much money, dude. <laughs> like, uh, like I just I hope that like at the end of the day when our folks go home from work, they go. You know what? I like being here. Right. I enjoy doing what I'm doing, and I can't wait to come back tomorrow. So hope they have a different response to their work day than I did. Right, right. So uh, hopefully I, nobody we, listens. We try to, the to make show it as stressy as possible. <laughs> we try to make it as fun as possible. Uh, at the same time, it is a business that's being run, so we do have to discuss like seriousness from time to time. But for the most part, I I think that we're all pretty happy. Right. Yeah. Where. Talking about that, that that evolution of a business or or not, where do you see this going? Um, it's, it's so hard to ask that question in the middle of a pandemic or at the end of a pandemic, hopefully. But um, do you see this idea of logger focused places growing around town? Do I you absolutely see? Do. do you do you think that there's maybe you get that's that's you guys, you're the logger brewery. Like, well, kinda like Urban Artifact is the sour brewery. That's exactly the model that I was thinking in my mind's eye. So going into this project at first, it was, oh, we'll produce more IPAs, right? That's what we'll do because they're hot and heavy, right? But as this situation morphed I realized that there is a deficiency in American craft lagering. And we absolutely want to be a trend center in American craft lager. Absolutely want to be that person and that company and that product. So like Urban Artifact, that's the sour beer, right? right? We want to be Rebel Metal Brewery. Oh, that's the guys that produce damn good lagers, right? Yes. We we want to grow upon, like, expand upon that. So... Right now, obviously, we're concentrating on the Cincinnati market and in limited distribution into Dayton, which, due to his efforts, have been incredibly successful. Thank you. We are starting within seven months. We're outside of Cincinnati, and we're in different, like, metropolitan statistics area, which is fantastic. Our next goal is Columbus. Let's see what we can get done. You know, they just keep spreading the wealth, so to speak. Um... But we absolutely want to be known as a trend center in American craft lagering. What I think is fun is that when you look, and I'll just speak to Cincinnati, uh, when you look around at what people are doing in the logger realm, I mean, there are great loggers happening everywhere. There, there are loggers and lots of breweries that are amazing, but there is this, this move to kind of replicate light, 
mediocre kind of American craft, American lager, um, in a little craftier way, be it, you know, Taft's with Cold Boy or Braxton with Garage Beer, you know, there's this, this movement to create a 15-pack of cheap, cheaper um, craft light, light lager. Do you think that hurts the uh, perception of what lager can be or do you think that helps kind of bring people into lager or how do you, totally how do you think about it? And I, you know, we were talking about this earlier, right? About this like chain restaurant to non-chain restaurant, right? Mm-hmm. We've had the big dogs out there for how many years now? hundred years? Obviously, our generation, maybe the generation before us and the generation before us or after us, excuse me, are really not interested in that, right? Right. So, like, having that differentiation point is probably a good thing. And I'm going to use the analogy, right? When you go to buy a car, you have, like, four or five auto dealerships literally, like, in the immediate area, right? Right. I'm going to use the same analogy when it comes to beer, right? Braxton has their garage beer. Um, The other light beers that are in town... What are they? Cold Boy from Taft. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, Hootie Delight, if it's still being made. Yep, yep. (laughs) So those are all out there, right? That, to me, looks more like an opportunity than a threat. To me, it looks more along the lines of people are... Not only are they buying it, they want to buy it. I've bought garage beers. I've bought 15 packs of garage beers, like... When we were, like, building this place... I always keep something like that in my right. garage fridge, right? ironically enough. So the goal for us is to get to that 15, 18, 24-pack of, of Steuben Tigers and be like, yo, dude, that's our thing, yeah. you know? And uh, so when that was always the goal, it's just small steps getting there. Obviously, we're just now selling into six-packs or cases, which is incredible, Right. right. But, yes, the goal is to get to that point for sure. And I look at the other people that are doing it as more as an opportunity because it's introducing a larger crowd to the craft beer market. It's not the same market as our fathers had. Right. Right? So, like, if you dip into the craft beer history, so to speak, right? So, like, before Prohibition, there was, like, 4,700 craft breweries operating across the United States, right? Prohibition happened. By 1973, there was like 42 breweries in the United States. Only 42, right? That kind of limits what our fathers and our father's fathers had to drink. Right. Our fathers and our mothers, excuse me, had to drink, right? Nowadays, with the help of Fritz Maytag in 1979, who passed the House Resolution to Brew at Home, right, we are now able to have such a variety and such like a wide breadth of different beers, it's totally exciting. You don't have to be shoehorned into one beer. You can't say, I'm a X-Light guy or I'm a I'm a Bud guy. Right. It's, I'm a whatever tastes good guy or I'm a whatever tastes good girl, you know, so to speak. So that's exciting to me. The fact that it's wide open is awesome. The fact that other craft breweries are able to put out a light beer and people drink it is exciting to me because it means we have a chance of doing the same thing. Right. I mean, there's a reason why everyone wants to make a light lager. And how many F bombs do I have? Oh, no, it's, is this PC 13? Yeah, no, do do oh, it's fucking delicious. 
Right. Right? It, I mean, light lager took over the world in less than 150 years because it's delicious. And you can drink it when it's hot outside, when it's cold outside, when you're tired, when you're not tired, when I think, you're thirsty or not thirsty. It goes with every meal. I think so, that's the important part to me is that, like, there is always light lager in a fridge in my house. Always. There's there's not always a fruited sour. There's not always a double IPA. There's not always a juniper sports beer. It, but there's always a light lager. <laughs> Posing for pictures. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think we, so, so that's why you see it. And, you know, you have, you have breweries that are putting out, like, baller, authentic, like super flavorful German styles, like Westside's Pilsner and Schwarz beer are Fantastic. off the chain. Fantastic. Uh, obviously, Gustav from Taft's is delicious. Fantastic. So, like, yeah, you, we see we're seeing kind of both, and right. we want to uh, we want to push the envelope a little more. As when, the big dogs become successful, all it does is open the opportunity for us. It yeah, opens the door opportunity. I think what's weird for me. So when when light craft loggers first started happening, especially not light craft loggers specifically, but when they were being priced and packaged more to compete with the big guys, it just, it, it felt strange to me. It felt like we were shifting to kind of their model a little bit. Not that, not that that's bad, but like it just, it felt weird mm-hmm. kind of in the same way that seeing seltzer on tap in breweries feels weird to me. Right, right. It's, it, I get it, it. It makes perfect sense when Same you take a me. step back and you look at it, but I just can't, I still can't wrap my head around if it's good or not so over time. So Stoops, let's take Stoops for example, right? Like I, I think the, the, it feels, and, and this is completely like absurd, but like it feels more normal for me to somebody come walk in and, and buy a case of it in six packs than to buy a couple 15 packs that like it does. I don't, I don't know why <laughs> just like it's something about, it doesn't make any sense. I, I don't know. <laughs> so comparatively speaking to the big dogs, you're not going to get any corn syrup. You're not going to have any adjuncts, right? So Stubes, correct me if I'm wrong, gentlemen, but I mean, it adheres to the purity law. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's made with about 90% Skittles. <laughs> Skittle, is it? Yeah. 90% Skittles. Is that what it is? Yeah. Skittles and floors. We didn't tell you we changed the recipe. I mean, it's, I mean, it's just yeast, water, hops, and and barley. Skittle tiger. And we just brew it the right way to make it light, refreshing, and ready to rock and roll. Uh, With those other beers that you're talking about, you know, the light beers, you're going to get corn syrup. You're going to get adjuncts as far as rice is concerned. And candidly, going into this, I was completely against that. Now, as we're starting to grow... We'll see what happens. If we can produce a good beer with an adjunct, I'm not opposed to the idea. Well, I mean, there's you guys have plenty of great beers with that. I just drank something with marshmallows and we. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, those aren't that's adjuncts. A, those are adding ingredients. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's let's drink another beer. Fair enough. What is this one here? Uh, that is our pathological lager, a double Cascadian. Dark lager. That's not a thing. 12% ABV. <laughs> Nothing is a thing. It is 12%. Uh, beer styles are entirely made up uh, <laughs> in the 1980s, and 
we are just <laughs> cribbing off uh, the notes of a dude who was able to travel the world and uh, made made shit up. I, I have not tried this yet. I haven't smelled this yet. All I've done is I've heard about this. I've heard how good it is. Um, I will tell you that even before trying it, you guys have the best uh, Cascadian Imperial Dark Lager. Uh, did I miss something in their descriptor? <laughs> uh, nope. In, in the world. <laughs> Damn straight. Um, how did... How did this come about? Why sniff and taste? Uh, so, so I mean, right, the the name is ridiculous, but, uh, sorry, it's basically our take on a black IPA, uh, which are also termed Cascadian Dark Lagers because Black India Pale Ale is a stupid name. Um, but, like, basically it's dark, it's hoppy, uh, so I think this is this is twelve percent ABV. It's like ninety IBU, yeah, and it's, something. It's, it's got IBUs in it. It's, it has more than one IBU, <laughs> and it's uh, it's made with hundred percent Idaho Seven hops. How did? Why did we decide to go twelve percent ABV? Why not? <laughs> I mean, we can now. We, it's we, great. we targeted eighteen. We just couldn't do that. <laughs> yeah, this is really good as everything has been. Um, it 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 drinks like a beautiful Cascadian dark ale, and then right at the end, there's this little kick of alcohol right there. I mean, it's a bit sweeter than you anticipated. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, that is, again, very dangerous. That packs yeah. a, uh, oh, yeah. a wallet behind it. That That's fun. And I, I think that that's, you know, like there, when you, when you, when somebody says, hey, you know, welcome to Cincinnati. We've got this really great lager brewery opening up downtown. It's going to be, it's going to be great. That, that sounds awesome. That sounds really fun. When you start to see this stuff and then the Bach flavor beverage, whatever that's called. Um, when you see stuff like that coming out of this idea to do a lager brewery, that's really fun to me. Like it's not, it, it's, it's, it's taking it to a different kind of place than, um, than maybe other places would have thought to do it. I so, mean, we also have a baller German Pilsner. Sure. But and, an, and an amber lager that's straight to style. Damn straight so, like, good. It's not all ridiculous. But, you know, like when you when you look at the world of beer, there's a lot of really great Pilsners. There's a lot, like, yes, that's important. And that's a lot of times probably what I'm going to sit down and order. But that doesn't, doesn't it doesn't get people... It uh, doesn't get people talking about you. It doesn't get people, um, it doesn't, I mean, it gets people excited, but in a different sort of way. Like this is the kind of stuff that kind of showcases a personality to a place. Like a, a, my apologies to a lot of the uh, oldest breweries in the world, but a Pilsner does not give you the personality that a, a, a Bach flavored beverage with marshmallows and pineapple when smoked malt does. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw this out there I'm for the lightning can, to strike me. You can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but uh, a lot of the dealing that we have is pulling as much flavor as we can without having the astringency, right? right. So nobody wants to taste straight grain alcohol, right? That's uh, yeah, yeah. You know a couple people. <laughs> At times it might be all right, but like if I'm gonna enjoy a beverage, right? Like I want to actually taste the beverage and not the alcohol and. To me, the pathological lager, when initially they pitched me the idea on it, I was kind of like, all right, is it, are, 
are we going to taste the alcohol or are we going to taste the beer, right? And uh, they were like, just, just trust me. Yeah. Just trust us. And I was like, all right, got it. So with this one, it is sweeter than I imagined, right? But it's fantastic. It uses the alcohol. Like that's, you know, it's not that you want to, it's not that you want to hide the alcohol in a high ABV beer. You want to take that and turn it into a, a part of the flavor. part of what is the beer. And this does that really, really well. I have nothing but trust in these two I gentlemen. Like I need this in uh, in cans <laughs> to fill my fridge with for those nights where uh, oh, <laughs> it'll knock you on your butt. That's for damn that's sure. What I'm Twelve percent, six ounces. Right? <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah I brought forties. Like, <laughs> Either six ounces or forty. <laughs> when, when I have to watch another episode of Daniel Tiger, I need something. You guys. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I mean, like this beer to to me right now, right? In, in our establishment is kind of like the pinnacle of what we're able to accomplish. We have a 12% lager, right, that's dark, super flavorful, super high in ABV, so to speak, but it's still drinkable and awesome and people enjoy it. I can't tell you how many times I've seen people on the interwebs, you know, Facebook, Instagram go, this is my favorite beer in Cincinnati. That makes me feel fantastic. And I'm sure it makes these feel these guys feel fucking fantastic as well. Sorry, I dropped the F bomb. That's all right. Sorry, it's, yeah. it's the internet. They can't yeah. kick us off. All right, on. Well, I, I, don't, yeah. I don't think. <laughs> so, I mean, these guys are the artists, and they're painting a picture, and that is the picture. That's yeah. It it I've I've never had anything like this. I've never had anything like that Bach flavored beverage, whatever. I've never had anything like those, and that that is really, really hard to do in 2021 in the United States with craft beer being what it is. Like that's that's difficult, and um, I, I'm impressed. Fair enough. I'm really, really impressed. It, you know, one of my gripes about this is kind of going down another weird little rabbit hole, but not. Um, one of my gripes about you know beer contests and like you know GABF and things like that is you're you're judging to a style. You're you know there's there is an example of what the style is supposed to be. Like that's always the best example of what this is supposed to be because you're building a style off of. Are you that. limiting yourself? You're, you're you are. You're trying to recreate something that is already there. Whereas you get what you're saying when you put stuff like this out, like it's you sit down and you don't. I mean, you might have an expectation, but you probably shouldn't. You sit down and you're just taking that experience and and writing the experience and just finding out what it is, <laughs> even if it's a marshmallow, pineapple. I don't think the uh, beer, the competitions buck. can contain us. That's well, that's what I have to say. <laughs> yeah, they did not treat us well last year. I, I don't think they can contain us. I, I think. Uh, there might be some stereotypes and some bias involved and we do things a little bit differently and uh, candidly over the past 15 to 20 years so to speak it's been all about ale production and how many people out there are really connoisseurs when it comes to lager production it depends on how you how you put that connoisseur um, tag on it you know my my grandpa was quite the connoisseur of a lager really like no like that's fantastic you know so i uh i'll put it to you this way if i had anything to bet on the farm on it'd be these two guys 
I mean, in a lot of ways, he did. <laughs> yeah. Oops. <laughs> I have zero regrets. <laughs> um, let's drink another beer. I have no idea what time we started recording, so I have no idea how long the show is. So if you're we're gonna <laughs> love this one, this right. is one of the only ales that we have available. Uh, it looks is this a little wolf hazy. Or blanc? It's, it's wolf. wolf. Okay, so this is wolf hype. Wolf. Woof. Woof. Uh, so, so Hype is our uh, hazy uh, slash New England IPA. Um, and every batch, we sh- uh, showcase a different single hop. Uh, in this case, we use uh, Steering Wolf. Uh, we've used Idaho 7 in the past, as well as HPC 586. And I think next up is uh, Hollertal Blanc. Uh, and it's... Fantastic. Just a good hazy IPA. It's fantastic. It's uh, uh, like everything else leans into like the drinkability side. I mean, to do a hazy, juicy New England, whatever you want to call something like this, is actually very on brand for you guys. <laughs> Instead of going, you know, the complete opposite end of the uh, the ale spectrum, which. Um, you could, but like it fits with kind of the really easy drinking kind of side of your personality. Not that twelve percent is easy drinking, or <laughs> oh, you can easily drink it. Uh, you can I don't know where that up fits on you too. Like, oh, um, how, how did I end up in is, Kentucky? This is good, you know. Hazies and um, that kind of world has been. Uh, uh, bastardized a little bit by a lot of people I think there's there's a lot out there and I think that by there being a lot out there there's a lot of not great ones out there um, this is good I like it that haze to be honest with you is probably one of my faves I uh, I have taken a shine to it it's good I um, I still like I when I walk in here this is not this isn't what I expect from you and this isn't necessarily what I Want you know? I I, I I want want stupid tiger. I want a I want a twelve percent dark lager. Um, I recognize that that is not true for a lot of people. Though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, just goes to show that we can uh, do the normal routine pretty well. Looking at the trends in craft beer. Um, and maybe lager being one of them. Where do you see that going in the future? Where do you, what do you, what do you see people kind of latching onto that maybe they're playing around with right now? So we're talking about a $22 billion a year industry, right? All right. On the macro level, uh, in the Cincinnati level, you're talking about a 300 million to $400 million a year industry. Um, with us, if, we can sell enough to stay like above water. I'm golden. So like, let's start at the small step, so to speak. Like, let's start at the lowest level. And the lowest level is gaining a foothold as far as people going, "Hey, I I enjoy this beer." And then we'll see what happens. But what do you see that thing being that kind of drives all of that for for people in Cincinnati? I mean, so. Seltzer has been kind of the breakout uh, star 
of the last couple of years as far as growth goes. Although I think I saw numbers today that imports outpaced yeah. seltzer, yeah. which doesn't make any sense to me. I can't, I need to figure out why that happened, but, um, so like three or four is, years is, ago. is seltzer and like that kind of, and I, I still don't completely understand why everybody drinks seltzer. I don't know if it's a health thing. I don't know if it's a, um, I don't really like beer, but I'm here thing. I, I haven't figured that out. But do you think that whatever that reason is, that's the secret to all of this? That's a really tough nut to crack. So because to that, but that might be the secret to a lot of the things that, that are happening here too. Like, and not that this is comparable to seltzer, but if, if easy drinking and um, comfort and things like that are important, Steuben Tiger is is that. It is. It's, it really I, is. I, I'm not going to say that beer is healthy, but if you want a healthy drink, I'm going to guess that Steuben Tiger is not any worse for you than a seltzer is. I'm, gonna, I'm inclined to agree with you. Um, seltzer is gluten-free. That probably yeah, but that's is that a real is that a real health thing? Yeah, Um, it is. It is for some people. For some people who have a gluten, now but that is a not a large majority. There are people people that are on like keto diets and whatnot that are completely gluten free, and it is a big thing. Yeah, they like to tie one on still. There's usually zero zero sugar remaining. Uh, It's a reason I drink our seltzer here. Um, If I drink too much of of beer, period. Man, my my skin starts falling apart. I'm just getting old, and I think I've, <laughs> Don't I've been speaking to a, I've been speaking to a lot of uh, other older people who are in the industry, and their bodies just just don't like the beer as time goes on. And I'm I'm seeing that myself, unfortunately. And I hate to acknowledge it, but once in a while, I'm like, you know what? I know what my skin's gonna look like in the morning if I have these beers and if I have this seltzer. I don't. So you're telling me you're a seltzer drinker? <laughs> uh, I drink, yeah, I drink I mean, my <laughs> seltzer sometimes instead of one of my beers. Yeah, I think everything's good in moderation, so exactly. to speak. But I will say that, like, they're they're really on the seltzer side of the house. If you're really looking for like nothing abnormal, like as far as like gluten or or other like ingredients, that's the way to go. It's just sugar and alcohol. So to speak, or right. it's water and alcohol at that point in time. Mm. Um, on the beer side of the house, like, how good is it just to have water, yeast, <laughs> barley, and hops? That's it. There's four mm. ingredients. You just mix those the right way, and you formulate them the right way, you boil them the right way, and you come out with a product that's spectacular. That's that's where we're at. And comparatively speaking, well, I'd, I'd bet these two against anybody here in town. I mean, <clears throat> seltzer, seltzer is basically, it's a, functionally the same as cider or wine or even beer. They're all just process uh, beverages made to taste good, be a little alcoholic, and uh, yeah, make you feel good. I, like, as a category, it is easy to understand why it's taking over. They're delicious, they're not terribly challenging, and they're super cheap and easy to make, 
and then the marketing takes over. Is it a sign of a bigger trend that we're just not no not I, understanding? I mean, I think seltzer is eating like like eating crappy crappy macro lager lunch. So is is what we're seeing. Why were people drinking crappy macro lager? Why are they now drinking seltzer? Why are they going to drink that next? If there is a next thing, I mean, it, they're delicious. They are delicious. Uh, it's delicious. Some people just want things that taste good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, without any other judgment or or. They're make, delicious. Yeah. I, I, some of them are. <laughs> some of them are. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so, with all of this being said, um, tomorrow for us on Friday for you, if you're listening to this the week after it posts, if you're listening to this in the future, I don't know when, um, uh, I did a, uh, a post on YouTube about seltzer because I went to the Cincy Seltzer Festival, which was eye-opening. <laughs> it was, there was no Cincinnati seltzer and, um, nobody noticed, nobody cared. Uh, it was, it was very, it was a very odd, uh, experience to me, but um, watch the video. You'll you'll get my my take on how you have a Cincy Seltzer Festival. About Cincy Seltzer, um, I am not a seltzer drinker. I have to say that before I make this next statement. But I'm when I to agree with but you. when you drink I seltzer. when I why well, it's for research purposes. Oh. <laughs> uh, when I do drink a seltzer, um, the best seltzers that I've had are from the smaller local guys. Versus truly or white claw or any of that. Oh, really? Just as yeah, just as the I've had some I've had some bad ones too. I love but, truly. Um, <laughs> I do too. I but but as far as like the base actual seltzer, the the, the cleanness of it, um, I've had better just from small local places. I love the truly lemonades. They're great, but it's got a bunch of sugar and stuff dumped in there. It's not the same thing. <laughs> Is of access. I w- that's kind of what I would describe that as. Is like is ease. You, they're everywhere. Yeah. You know they're so to speak a dime a dozen. You know when it comes to local craft breweries that are maybe dipping into the seltzer level, guarantee to you they're going to take a bit more care into it. I mean maybe that's the the secret to it all is that you know light American macro lager was so popular for so long or is so popular because of the availability you always you can walk into any bar and get it's your, your there. Bud Miller Coors whatever it is if you're a seltzer drinker you have that comfort of you can walk into any bar and get your White Claw truly whatever it is I mean maybe that's just the maybe that's the, the trend is availability it's easy <laughs> I don't know um, the world is strange Agreed. Um, what do you guys want people to know about Rebel Metal that you think they don't already know? We kick ass. I think they. And I, I hope think you they come down that. and have a good time. <laughs> if they've had the beer, they know that. What do you guys say? You could have a lot more fun here than you expect. <laughs> Way more. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, our tap room is a really great space, uh, and it's, yeah, we we only hire the nicest, friendliest people. <laughs> Damn straight. That's true. Uh, 
myself excluded. If you come and, here, you'll feel like family, so to speak. And yeah, if you're looking to have a good time, drink some good beer, and uh, enjoy some sunlight, we're uh, and we, we have some exciting developments on that coming along. On the sunlight? Yeah, on the sunlight. Ooh, yeah. Tell me more. Tell, uh, we, we are going to have an outdoor space in the next couple of weeks. Ooh. Are we releasing that tonight? Uh, yeah, why we, not? We are well, now. Technically, it's getting It's not really Monday. tonight. It's <laughs> we're in the future right now. Ooh, okay. So, so by the end of May, we'll have an outdoor space on Perry, which is fantastic. Um, by that point in time, I hope the doors are open, you know? Every day could go either and, way. Uh, you yeah. never know. <laughs> you know, especially right now being April twenty second, and there's snow on the ground this morning. Um, BS. But um, yeah, come out and see us. Have a great night, and uh, I promise you, you won't be disappointed. I agree with everything that you guys have said, <laughs> except that people don't know you guys kick ass. I think people know that already. Um, if you have had the beer, it is, it's fun, which is sometimes hard to do when you decide to start a lager brewery. It's hard to keep things fun and exciting and, um, and, and you know, be, be what you want out of a modern craft brewery while paying homage to... Uh, traditional lager brewing and somehow you guys are you guys are doing it i uh i love it get you some of that yeah yeehaw yeah. thank you guys <laughs> um we'll be back if you like this show and you like all the all of the stuff that i crank out there you can always support the show by going to the gnarly slash support i have to give a huge shout out to this month's uh, show sponsor sometimes i forget to uh to do that i'm sorry but that's 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 what happens when I do a beer podcast. Um, Brett Coleman Baker is this month's sp- sponsor. He works for Urban Artifact. If you don't know that, he go, does. Go to their uh, their uh, their website. They have an online store. You can get beer delivered right to your door. So thanks, Brett, and thank you all of you guys who support on Patreon. It makes this all work because my wife gets grumpy if it just eats money. So <laughs> thank you very much. We'll be back next week. Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft.